hello, welcome back. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. If you didn't watch the, <clears throat> excuse me. If you didn't watch the last two episodes, I if you didn't watch the last two episodes, I recommend you do that so you know what's going on. But basically, I'm trying to do something different, and I'm reading books from the Chronicles of Narnia series. If you if you watch the previous episodes, you'll know which three books I have. But um, yeah. If you want to read along, you can do that, but only if you want to. So, uh, all right. <clears throat> Chapter 3. At the gates of Tashban, my name said the girl at once is Aravis. And this is take two, by the way. My name said the girl at once is Aravis Tarkina. Tarkina. And I'm the only daughter of Kid- Kidrash Tarkhan, the son of Rashidi Tarkhan, the son of Kidrash Tarkhan, the son of Ilsambre Tisrak, the son of Ardib Tisrak, who was this who who was descended in a right line from from the god Tash. My father is the lord of the province of Kalavar, and is one who has the right of standing on his feet in his shoes before the face of before the face of Tisrak himself. May he live forever. My mother, on whom be the peace of the gods, is dead, and my father has married another wife. One of my brothers has fallen in battle against the rebels in the far west, and the other is a child. Now it came to pass that my father's wife, my stepmother, hated me, and the sun appeared dark in her eyes as long as I lived in my father's house. And so she p- persuaded my father to promise me in marriage to Ash- Ahashta Tarkan. Sorry if I'm botching these names. Now this Ahashta is a base birth, though in these latter years, he has won the favor of the Tishrak. May he live forever. By flattery and evil counsels, and evil counsel, counsels, and is now made a Tarkhan, and the lord of and the lord of many cities, and is likely to be chosen as the Grand Vizier, when the present Grand Vizier dies. Moreover, he is at least sixty years old and has a hump on his back, and his face will and his face resembles that of an ape. Sorry for the background noise. Nevertheless, my father, because of because of the wealth and power of this Ahasta, and being persuaded by his wife, sent messages, sent messengers offering me in marriage, and the offer was favorably accepted. And Ahasta sent word that he would marry me this very year at the time of high summer. When this news was brought to me, the sun appeared dark in my eyes, and I laid myself on my bed and wept for a day. But on the second day, I rose up and washed my face and caused my mare, Hawin, to be saddled and took me and took with me a sharp dagger, which my brother had carried in, which my brother had carried in the Western Wars and rode out alone. And when my father's house was out of sight and I was and I was come and I came to a green open place in a certain wood where there were no dwellings of men, I dismounted from home from Hawin, my mare, and took out the dagger. Then I parted my clothes where I thought the re- the readiest way lay to my heart, and I prayed to all the gods that as soon as I, that as soon as I was dead, I might find myself with my brother. After that, I shut my eyes and my teeth and prepared to drive the dagger into my heart. Oh, wow, she was going to kill herself. That's brutal. But before I had done this, but before I, I had done so, this mayor spoke with the voice of one of the daughters of men and said, 
Oh, my mistress, do not by any means destroy yourself. For if you live, you may yet have good fortune. But all the dead are dead alike. I didn't say it half so well as that, muttered the mayor. Hush, ma'am, hush, said Bree, who was thoroughly enjoying the story. She's telling it in a grand Kalorman manner, and no storyteller in a Tis Rock court could do it better. Pray, go on, Tarquina. <clears throat> when I heard the language of men uttered by my mare, continued Aravis, I said to myself, the fear of death has disordered my reason, my reason and subjected me to delusions, and I became full of shame for knowing my lineage ought to fear death more than the biting of a gnat. Therefore I addressed myself a second time to the stabbing, but Hawin came near to me, came near to me and put her head in between me and the dagger and discoursed to me most excellent reasons and rebuked me as a mother rebukes her daughter. And now my wonder was so great that I forgot about killing myself about a hosta and said, Oh, my mare, how have you learned to speak like one of the daughters of men? And Hawin told me what is known to all these to all this company, that in Narnia there are beasts that talk, and how she herself was stolen from thence when she was a little foal. She told me also of the woods and waters of Narnia, and the castles and the great ships. So I said, In the name of Tash and Azeroth and Zardina, Lady of the Night, I have a great wish to be in that country of Narnia. Oh, my mistress, and oh, my mistress, answered the mayor, if you were in Narnia, you would be happy. For in that land, no maiden is forced to marry against her will. And when we had talked together for a great time, hope returned to me, and I rejoiced that I had not killed myself. Moreover, it was agreed between Hawin and me that we should steal ourselves away together, and we planned it in this fashion. We returned to my father's house, and I put on my gayest, gayest clothes. Wait, how can clothes be gay? Anyway, moving on. And sang and danced before my father and pretended to be delighted with the marriage which he had pre prepared for me. Also, I said to him, Oh, my father, and all the delight of my eyes, give me your license and, per and permission to go with one of my maidens alone for three days into the woods to do secret sacrifices to, Zar to Zardina, Lady of the Night of maidens as is proper and custom customary for damsels when they must bid farewell to the service of Zardina and prepare themselves for marriage and he answered oh my daughter oh my daughter and oh with the light of my eyes so it shall be but when I came out from the presence of my father I went immediately to the oldest of his slaves his secretary who had dandled on me who had dandled me on his knees when I was a baby and loved, and loved me more than the air and the light. And I swore him to be secret and begged him to write a certain letter for me. And he wept and implored me to change my resolution. But in the end, he said, to here is to obey and give all my will. And I sealed the letter and I hid it in my bosom. <clears throat> but what was in the letter? asked Shasta. Be quiet, youngster, said Bree. You're spoiling the story. So tell us all about the weather in the right place. Go on, Tarkina. Tarkina, 
Then I called the maid who was to go with me to the woods and excuse me, and performed the rites of Zardina and told her to wake me very early in the morning. And I became merry with her and gave her wine to drink, but I had mixed such things in her cup that I knew she must sleep for for a night and a day. So she drugged her. Uh -huh. She drugged her. Wow. As soon as the household of my father had committed had committed themselves to sleep, I arose and put on armor of my brothers, which I always kept in my in my chamber in his memory. I put into my girdle, I put into my girdle all the money I had and certain choice jewels and provided myself also with food and saddled the, the mare with his own hands and rode away in the second watch of the night. I directed my, my course not to the woods where my father supposed I would go, but north and east to Tashban. Not for three days and more, I knew that my father would not seek me, being deceived by the words I had said to him. And on the fourth day, we arrived at the city of Azim Balga. Now Azim Balga stands at the meeting of many roads and from it, the post of the Tishrach, may he live forever, ride on swift horses to every part of the empire. And it, and it is one of the rights and privileges of the greater Tarkans to send messages by them, by them. I therefore went to the chief of the messengers in the house of Imperial Post in Zimbalda and said, O dispatcher of messengers, of messages, here's a letter from my uncle Ashasta Tarkhan to Kidrash Tarkhan, Lord of Kalavar. Take now these five crescents and cause it to be sent to him. And the chief of the messengers said, to hear is to obey. This letter was feigned to be written by Ahasta, and this was the signification. And this was the signification of the writing. Ahasta Tarkhan to Kidrash Tarkhan, salut salutation and peace in the name of Tash, the irresistible, the in the inexorable. Be it known to you that as I made my journey towards your toward towards your house to perform the contract of marriage between me and your daughter, Arabis Tarkina. It pleased fortune and the gods that I fell in her, that I fell in with her in the forest when she had ended the rites and sacrifices of Zardina according to the custom of maidens. And when I learned who she was, being delighted with her beauty and discretion, I became inflamed with love. And it appeared to me that the sun would be dark to me if I if I did not marry her at once. Accordingly, I prepared the necessary sacrifices and married your daughter the same hour that I met her and have returned with her to my own house. And we both pray and charge you to come hither as speedily as you may, that we may be delighted with your face and speech, and also that you may bring with you the, dow the dowry of your wife which by reason of my great charges and expenses, I require without delay. And because thou and I are brothers, I assure myself that you will not be angered by the haste of my marriage, which is wally occasioned by the great love I bear for your daughter. And I commit you to the care of all the gods. Also, arrange marriage. No, that's wrong. That's wrong. No, no. You should, 
if you if you like someone or even love them, you you marry them if you want to be with them. It shouldn't you can't if you're it's an arranged marriage, you're gonna marry someone you don't like, that's not right. You marry who you like or even love. Hey, back to the book. As soon as I had done this, I rode on in all haste but my Zimbalda, fearing no pursuit and expecting my and expecting that my father, having received such a letter, would send messages to Ahasta or go to him himself, and that before the matter was discovered, I should be beyond Tashban, and that is the pith of my story until this very night, when I was chased by lions and met you at the swimming of the salt water. And what happened to the girl, the one you drugged, asked Shasta, Doubt doubtless, she was beaten. She was beaten for sleeping late. Ouch, said Arabis coolly. But she was a tool and spy of my stepmothers. I am very glad they should beat her. Wow, that's messed up, man. I say that I I say that was hardly fair, said Shasta. I did not do any of these things for the sake of pleasing you, said Arabis. And there's another thing I don't understand about that story, said. Shasta, you're not grown up. I don't believe you're any older. I don't believe you're any older than I am. I don't believe you're as old. I don't believe you're as old. How could you be getting married? How can how can you be getting married at your age? Arava said nothing. But Bree said at once, Shasta, don't display your ignorance. They're always married at that age in the great Tarkan families. Shasta turned very red, though it was hardly light enough for the others to see this and felt snubbed. Arabist asked Bree for his story. Bree told it, and Shasta thought that he put in a great deal more than he needed about the falls and the bad writing. Bree obviously thought it very funny, but Arabist did not laugh. When Bree had finished, they all went to sleep. Next day, all four of them, two horses and two humans and two, and two humans continued their journey together. Shasta thought it had been much pleasanter when he and Bree were on their own. For now, it was Bree and Arabis who did nearly all the talking. Bree had lived a long time in Kalorman and had always been among Tarkans and Tarkans' horses. And so, of course, he knew a great many of the same people and places that Arabis knew. She would always be saying things like, but if you were at the fight of Zal... Zalundre, sorry if I botched that, you would have seen my cousin, Alamash, Al Alamash, and Bree would, would answer, oh yes, Alamash, he was only captain of the chariots, you know, I don't quite hold with chariots, or the kind of horses who draw chariots, that's not real cavalry, but he is a worthy nobleman, he filled my nose bag with sugar after the taking of Tibet, or else Bree would say I was down at the wake of Mesreel that summer, and Aravis would say, oh, Mesreel, I had a, I had a friend there, Lasaraline La Tarkina. What are these names? These names, man. What a delightful place it is. Those gardens and the Valley of the Thousand Perfumes. Bree was not in the least trying to leave Shasta out of things. Though Shasta sometimes nearly thought he was, 
People who know a lot of the same things can hardly keep can hardly help talking about them. And if you're there, you can hardly help feeling that you're out of it. Harwin the mayor was rather shy before a great war horse like Bree and said very little, and Arabis never spoke to Shasta at all if she could help it. Soon, however, they had more, soon though, they had more important things things to think of. They were getting near Tashbot. There were more and larger villages. There were more and larger villages and more people on the roads. They now did nearly all their traveling by night and hid as best as they could and hid as best as they could during the day. And at every halt, they argued and argued about what they were to do when they reached Tashban. Everyone had been putting off this difficulty, but now it could be put off no longer. During these discussions, Aravis became a little, a very little, less unfriendly to Shasta. One usually gets on better with people when one is making plans than when one is talking about nothing in particular. Bree said the first thing now to do was to fix a place where they would all promise to meet on the far side of Toshbon, even if by any ill luck they got separated in passing the city. He said the best place would be the tombs of the ancient kings on the very edge of the desert. On the very edge of the desert. Things like great stone beehives, he said. You can't possibly miss them. And the best of it is that none of the Kalormans will go near them because they think the place is haunted by ghouls and are afraid of it. Aravis asked if it wasn't really haunted by ghouls, but Bree said he was a free Narnian horse and didn't believe in these Kalorman tales. And then Shasta said he wasn't a Kalorman either and didn't care a straw about these old stories of ghouls. This wasn't quite true, but it rather impressed Aravis, though at the moment it annoyed her too. And of course she said she and of course, she said she didn't mind any number of ghouls either. So it was settled that the tombs should be their assembly place on the other side of Tashban, and everyone felt they were getting on very well, till Hawin humbly pointed out that the actual problem was not where they should go when they had got, when they had got through Tashban, but how they were... The, actual, the real problem was not where they should go when they had got through Tashban, but how they were to get through it. Well, we'll settle that tomorrow, ma'am, said Bree. Time for a little sleep now. But it wasn't easy to settle. Aravis's first suggestion was that they should swim across the river below the city during the night and not go into Tashban at all. But Bree had two reasons against this. One was that the river mouth was very wide and it would be far too long a swim for her wind to do, especially with her rider on her back. He thought it would be too long for himself too, but he said much less about that. The other was that it would be full of shipping, and of course anyone on the deck of a ship who saw two horses swimming past would be almost certainly would be almost certain to be inquisitive. I guess that's another way of saying suspicious or something like that. Shasta thought they could Shasta thought they should go up the river above Tashban and cross it where it was narrow narrower. But Bree explained that there were gardens and pleasure houses on both banks of the river for miles, and that there would be Tarkans and Tarkinas living in them and riding about the roads and having water parties on the river. In fact, it would be the most likely place 
in the world for meeting someone who could recognize a ravish or even himself. Water parties? What the? I guess they would be drinking a lot of water. Moving on. We'll have to have a disguise, said Shasta. Hawin said it looked to her as if the safest thing was to go right through the city itself from gate to gate because one was less likely to be noticed in the crowd. But she approved of the idea of disguise as well, she said. Both the humans will have to dress in rags and look like peasants or slaves. And all Aravis's armor and, and our saddles and things must be made into bundles and put on their backs. And the children must pretend to drive us and people will think we're only pack horses. My dear Hawin, said Aravis rather scornfully, as if anyone could mistake Bree for anything but a war horse, however you disguised him. I should think not indeed, said Bree, snorting and letting his ear go ever so little back. I know it's not a very good plan, said Hawin, but I think it's our only chance, and we haven't been groomed for ages, and we're not looking quite ourselves. At least I'm I'm sure I am I'm not. At least I'm sure I'm not. I do think if we get well plastered with mud and we go and go along with our heads down as if we're tired and lazy and don't lift our ho- our hooves hardly at all, we might not be noticed, and our tails ought to be cut shorter, not neatly, you know, but all ragged. My dear madams said my dear madam said Bree, have you Picture to yourself how very disagreeable it would be to arrive to arrive in Narnia in that condition. Well, said Hawin humbly, she's a very sensible mare. The main thing is to get there, though nobody much liked it. It was Hawin's plan which had to be adopted in the end. It was it was Hawin's plan which had to be adopted in the end. It was a troublesome one and involved a certain amount of what Shasta called stealing and Bree called raiding. One fawn lost a few sacks that evening, and another lost a coil of rope the next. But some tattered old boy's clothes for a ravis to wear had to be fairly bought and paid for in a village. Shasta returned with them in triumph, just as, e- just as evening was closing in. The others were waiting for him among the trees at the foot of a, long, uh, at the foot of a low range of wooded hills, which lay right across their path. Everyone was feeling excited because this was the last hill. When they reached the bridge at the top, they would be looking down on Tashban. I do wish we were safe, safely past it, muttered Shasta to Hawin. Oh, I do, I do, said Hawin fer- fer- fervently, fervently. That night they wound, that night they wound their way through the woods up to the bridge by a woodcutter's track. And when they came out of the woods at the top, they could see thousands of lights in the valley down below them. Shasta had 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 no had no notion of what a great city would be like, and it frightened him. They had their supper, and the children got some sleep. But the horses woke them very early in the morning. The stars were still out, and the grass was terribly cold and wet, but daybreak was just beginning. Far to the right across the sea, Aravis went a few steps away into the wood and came back looking odd in her new ragged clothes and carrying her real ones in a bundle. 
these and her armor and shield and smithal and the two saddles and the rest of the horses fine furnishing fine furnishings were put into the sacks were put into the sacks Bree and Hawen have already got themselves as dirty and bedraggled and bedraggled as they could and it remained to shorten their tails as the only tool for, as the only tool for doing this was a ravishes scimitar so is a scimitar like a small like a knife or a sword or something like that maybe a knife All right continuing on continuing on one of the packs had to be undone again in order to get it out it was a longish job and rather hurt the horses my word said Bree, if i wasn't a talking horse what a lovely kick in the face i could give you I thought you were going to cut it, not pull it out. That's what it feels like. But in spite of the semi, in spite of the semi darkness and cold fingers, all was done in the end. The big packs mount, the big packs bound on the horses, the rope halters which they were now wearing instead of bridles, and reins in the children's hands, and the journey began. Remember, said Bree, keep together if we possibly can. If not. Meet at the tombs of the of the ancient kings, and whoever gets there first must wait for the others. And remember, said Shasta, don't you two horses forget yourselves and start talking, and start talking. Whatever happens, and that's the end of chapter three. All right. See you all later. Bye.